We bless you for Robin. Lord, we thank you for her, Lord, and Lord, all the things that she's been through, Lord, in her life, Lord, have prepared her for this calling and ministry that you've placed upon her. Lord, I just want to pray that she would have complete freedom and liberty this morning, that she would feel like she's at home here. Lord, able to say what needs to be said. Lord, able to, Lord, minister to us, Lord, with the words that you have got. Lord, and we pray for us as a congregation that we'd be ready to hear and receive all that you want to say to us. Give us hearts that are ready to respond. Lord, we're hungry for you. Lord, so you may you feed us on your word this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you need a clip? Dave, we got the clip. Just see me shaking now. <laughs> Morning. Um, yeah, I. I it's all, no, it's fine. I um. Yeah, I was <laughs> when I got here because I spoke yesterday at the uh, women's brunch. It was a great brunch. That was good. Um, and I was like, you know, when you I don't know if you speak, but I was debating like two things that I felt I wanted to talk about this morning. And I couldn't figure out which one I was going to talk about. And then, yeah, I wake up at five o'clock, kind of, you know, when you have this feeling that it's like, yeah, neither. Neither, <laughs> neither of those are going to say something different. But that's good, right? That means that whatever came out of yesterday, it means I feel that God's telling me to say something different. So I'm not very planned, and I'm just going to go with this. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, let me just tell you a little bit about me first. So, uh, yeah, my name's Robin. I I have had a colourful life, um, and I love Jesus, so it's fine. But uh, I, really briefly, I, um, just so you get a bit of my background so you know where I'm coming from, I was brought up in a nice Christian family. I did not start from having issues, so to speak, you know. Um, I chose to go down the wrong path. It was an actual decision I enjoyed doing. Um, I was on cocaine from still at secondary school. Um, I was underage pregnancy, miscarriage, um, in, and then in an abusive relationship for six years. I met him the day he got out of prison, so really I should have known better, but it was quite attractive at the time. Uh, and I had six years of absolute nightmare. And still, I've been separated 10 years now, but still you live with that nightmare. You know, like, uh, it, it, it becomes part of you. Whatever happens in your life becomes part of who you are, right? Um, anyway, so it's a big log story. I ended up at Bible college, not a Christian, fought with everyone. Jesus broke me down, made me up again, and then said, now you have to tell your story. That's kind of what I do. Uh, and that's what we were talking about yesterday. Now, I'm always nervous when I come and speak places because it's not what I naturally like to do, but God does that. He kind of makes you sometimes push you out of your comfort zone so you know it's not you and it's him. Um, and I don't know why I was nervous. I got here yesterday, and it was the most amazing group of people I've ever met. He just felt welcomed coming into this church. Um, and... You could just see on the face, just, I just, yeah, honestly, I want to encourage this church first before I start. You come in, and quite often, this is recorded, this could be bad on any other church I've been to, but quite often, like, you go in, and they're all just sat there waiting for you, like, staring at you, but you were all, like, you chain your chairs around, you're all in together, you're all talking together. It's a real sense of community and caring for each other the minute you walk in, and that is just a welcoming feeling and a really nice feeling when you're walking into somewhere. 
um, especially when you're going to open yourself bare. Um, and you could just feel God working in there yesterday. I don't know if, you've, you know if you were there or if you've heard from people that there, you could literally feel him. Good job the Spirit is everywhere, because otherwise I'd have said he was just there. Right then. Uh, but he, he, it really was. And the, oh, the amazing people I spoke to afterwards, so many people came to speak. And it was really encouraging for me, but really just encouraging to see God work. Like all you have to do, because we try, don't we? We try to help people so, so much. And actually, sometimes all you have to do is be there and talk, and that just opens doors for other people. That's, that, that's, we can all do that. That's not hard. Well, it is hard. But it's not hard when you know it's helping somebody else. Um, and so I did speak to a lot of people, and um, I, f- I really felt that there was so many people I really wish I could introduce to each other because they could support each other. Like, and you can't. But I'm telling you that now, so you best look out for each other. <laughs> um, I, I really just felt, I really want you, you're in a church that is so welcoming, and to me, seem that they will want to support and help everyone grow. And so many people then live in still under labels that have been put on them for years and years and years. So then God woke me up at like five o'clock in the morning to say, no, you need to facilitate this. This needs to be followed on. Yeah, there needs to be a follow-up. Um, you, these people need labels to be ripped apart. Whatever your circumstances, whether you've been in domestic abuse or not, whatever your circumstances, we all live with the labels that, that life brings on us. So I kind of felt that he was saying, let's strip it all back. We're talking about the people in this church, meeting the people in this church, supporting and this community and building each other up and ripping down the labels and putting the new labels off. So that's kind of where I'm going today, okay? That was a big introduction, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I made my little notes just because I was so scared. Um, and negative, I just want, yes, yeah, so negative words. Oh, my gosh. When you're spoken negative words over you, it doesn't have to be physical. Nothing has to be physical. In any, any school bullying work bullying, like anything, when you're spoken negative words over and over and over you, you do end up living those out, even if you don't believe them. You kind of end up growing into what's being spoken over you. Um, And even from birth, we're born with labels put on us. We're born with, uh, if I tell people I'm from St. Albans, they get one image of me. And if I tell them, I was born in Israel, they have a completely different image to what I would be like. And so automatically, people will label you from where you're born, or if you're off a council estate, or the really rich posh area, or uh, what culture you're from, or any of these things that you're born with, a label is straight away put on you. Even we do it as, as good Christians. Like, we, we do automatically picture someone in a certain way when we know something about them, right? It's not just me, right? Because that makes me look really unholy now. <laughs> and then, uh, then we society. Society puts labels on us. So what we read in the magazines, not even, it used to, you, people used to just think it was girls, but it's not. The boy, boys are wearing skinnier jeans than the girls these days. I don't really know what happened there. But um, like anything, the magazines, the TV, everything's telling us what we should be and what 
the majority of us are not. Um, and that is putting labels on us. We have to be this size. We have to have this. Oh, my word. My daughter, she's going to be 13 this month. They get judged on the shape of their eyebrows. Like, what is that? That is ridiculous. You cannot label someone on their eyebrows. It, it's ridiculous. But it is society, and that is how it's going. And honestly, um, I work in schools as well, and self-harm and stuff from primary schools, all because of the way they look and they're not fitting in society. So something needs to happen, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and then, if you're in abusive relationships, things like that, you are constantly belittled. And, um, oh, on a daily basis, I used to be too fat, too thin. Now, I was on, you know, cocaine. I was very skinny at this point. Uh, and I got given a machine that makes you slimmer <laughs> as my present. Um, and just constant, constant belittling that I would never be good enough for anybody else. And that um, I am, you know, they just say you're crazy and no one else would put up with you but them. And um, just absolute constant little belittling over you. And it can be little. And you know what? Often using humour. So if you, you could be out, like, in a pub and with groups, and, and they could make it like a joke, like they're having a go at you, so everyone else laughs. And then you think, well, it must be real, because everyone else is laughing. Um, but it's just another way that they degrade you and another chip at the stone. And you build it all together, and we wonder why people are sad and depressed and not living to their full potential that God wants them to be. Um, and oh, at schools, yeah, you're, you're labelled at schools, and that carries. You know, it's really hard to shift labels, really hard. So you're like a bookworm, or you're clumsy, or you're a troublemaker, or you're too shy. You know, you're a slow learner. You're whatever. That kind of sticks with you, and you believe it going through. I was a troublemaker, so that label, I will accept. I was, some labels, you know, I was a troublemaker. But then how do you deal with that? So I, I went to five secondary schools. Um, and I was a handful. But every secondary school, when I would go to a new one, they would just try and put down the law and they would automatically know I'm the troubled one, blah, 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 and be like straight firm, this is how it's going to work. Obviously, I had issues with authority and people telling me what to do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been in the state that I was in. That didn't go down very well, you know? That just makes you worse. It makes you fight back. It makes you get in more trouble. When I got to my final secondary school, I got in, and they just all they had to do was change their wording. That's it. All they had to do. And I got in, and they sat me down, and they were like, right, okay, this is what we're doing. You're joining in. You're more than welcome. If you're not, you can sit over there and do what you're doing. Like, they didn't try and force me to do anything. They didn't have a go at me. They didn't tell me to do anything. I sat and watched for about a week and started joining in. Like, that's after me being a nightmare for the majority of school life. All they had to do was change the way they spoke to me, and I changed my attitude. And I think we miss all this. We try and fix problems by big things, whereas sometimes all we have to do is speak the right words and listen. Um, 
I still didn't get any GCSEs because apparently it was a waste of money because I wouldn't get any. But I got a first in my theology degree, so I really feel... <laughs> I really feel to go back and be like... <laughs> but that would not be a very nice thing to do. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And do you know what? If being spoken to negatively and having negative labels can have that much of effect on you... Imagine, just imagine what speaking positively over someone can do. We know the power of words. We know that. We know the power of God's word, which we can use. He gives us the words to say. Like, he doesn't just send, we are his hands and his feet. That is what we are. And he doesn't say, go fix people on your own. He says, go fix people. I am with you. I will give you the words. Here they are. Like, he doesn't just, it isn't in our power. We sometimes think we have to do it in our power or we might fail, but it's in his power. And all we have to do is be willing. And I know that's hard. I say that's all we have to do. It is really hard sometimes. Um, but all we have to do is take the step, take that first step, and he will lead the way. And if you're, all you're doing is saying positivity over somebody, that can't be wrong. That can't, you can't get that wrong. They might not accept it, but they will clock it for another time. You might not see the result of that, but they will, that will be clocked. In fact, um, brain-wise, what's the word? Oh, I don't know. Brain-wise, if um, it takes seven positive comments to get someone out of a slump after one negative comment, that's like a lot, you know? And that can be anything. That can just be like, oh, my gosh, do you know what? Your dress is lovely today. It really suits you. Like, anything nice. It doesn't have to be something prophetic and something, um, you know, life-changing. It really, and we say that, don't we? We're really quick. I don't know if men are really quick like this. Women are really quick like this. We're really quick when we're out to be like, oh, my gosh, you see those shoes? Like, you don't have to do that. But, um, <laughs> but. We are quick to do that. Like, we are quick to judge what people are doing or what they're saying. Oh, my word, they are in pajamas picking their kids up. Like, we are. We do this. I have done that. <laughs> and um, we're really, really bad at then telling people the good things. Whereas we might say it, like I would say to my daughter, I would go down the road and be like, oh, her hair is amazing. But why would I not just say it to the person? Why would I not say, I love the way you've done your hair? Why? That will make such a difference to that person's day. And all that is, is speaking something kind and positive over somebody and letting them know, you don't know what's going on in their life. You have no clue. We're all living battles behind closed doors, all of us, wherever they are. Um, yeah. This is what happens when you're just speaking. I'm so sorry. Um, but it is, and it's in... Oh, it's not up there, is it? It's in... Um, it's in the Bible how we, how we should use our words and how we should speak to people and how um, we should speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. And when you're put under negativity, you don't. You think you're worthless. You don't speak up for yourself. So many times, I could have told so many people. I had battered. I was put in hospital. I had all my ribs broken. Um, and instead of telling the hospital and the police are there saying what happened, instead of saying yeah, my partner just beat me up. I, I just said, oh, I've got in a fight. Like, you just pretend, you cover it up. And why? Because you actually don't think people are going to believe you or you think 
actually, I will then be alone and have no one. What if he's right? What if, what if this is it? What if this is the best for me? Or what if it was my fault? I did, I did go out half an hour later than I said I was going to go out. Or Do you know, like, you kind of doubt what you were saying. And that is why we need to. We need to put the positive in there. We need to speak up for those that are not speaking up for themselves because sometimes they can't. They just can't. And even if you think they can, all they have to do is take a step and move out. All they have to do is tell him no. It's not that easy. After years of build-up, it's not that easy. Um, but with the power of positive words and with the power of God and people, and honestly, this church is so, I can see how supportive it is. You can just feel it. And, and the way people are just speaking word in worship, like, that is amazing. I don't normally go to churches that do that. Like, and I was just like, oh, I love this. This is like 50 sermons in one. Um, and... That's really good, and you can tell that you all really care about each other and all really care about your communities, and that is brilliant. All I'm saying is also care about, look, to, look in here, not just out there. Um, let me give, I want to give a couple of examples. Do I? Oh, gosh, okay. Well, I spoke yesterday. The ones that were yesterday, a couple of things. So sometimes we think a problem is so big like domestic abuse, right? We think a problem is so big that there's nothing we can really do to make a difference. Whatever we do, it's not going to go away. But do you know what? We have a bigger God than the big problem. And if he's using lots of us to do different things, you will see big results. Um, and if all you can do is make a difference to one person's life, hello, that's amazing. <laughs> like... That's it. It's not you doing it. It's God doing it. And um, one person, one person can make a huge difference. So I want to give you two examples in my life of, of, of that. Um, so on a smaller scale, for me, on a smaller scale, uh, I, sorry to those that heard this story yesterday, I was in McDonald's with my daughter. She was in a high chair. I was meant to be meeting her dad. He was at work. And I waited in the wrong McDonald's. There was a McDonald's at both sides of the high street. And I waited in the wrong McDonald's, um, to which he was furious, absolutely furious when he found out it was not the wrong one, screaming down the phone. So then I didn't know what to do. I'd ordered the food. It was on the tray. I was just shaking. She's in the, bug, like in the high chair. Like it would have taken me longer to pack up and move. That, uh, you, you just freeze. You don't know what to do, quite frankly. And he came in, stormed in, McDonald's is packed, stormed in, stormed up to us, picked up the tray of fruit, screaming at me, picked up the tray of food and threw it all over me, all the food, and then just stormed out. And I sat there shaking, like tears streaming, I don't know why I'm smiling, it's not funny, tears streaming down my face, and my daughter just looking at me like, oh, it's happening, and not one person came to speak to me or check I was okay, not one. Everyone just stares, because obviously it's all they look at the floor. <laughs> but nobody came. And he'd left the building. So even if they were scared of him, really, someone could have come afterwards and just been like, that wasn't okay. Are you, do you want me to do anything? Are you okay? You, you know? No one spoke, right? So that is what I remember from that incident. It's the fact that nobody stuck up for me. It's not even what he did more. That's what hurt more. Another incident, um, 
wasn't including him. I've got more drama than just him, you know. <laughs> uh, I was, um, I was at a party. Again, people know this. Yesterday, I was at a party where I was uh, sexually assaulted by a gang of people, um, and one of my friends, and she was this really tiny little person. One of my friends figured out what was happening. We were upstairs, and everyone else was. I was, uh, yeah, I won't explain. But we were, I, we were upstairs, and he, she was downstairs with the rest of the party, and she clocked what was happening. And she ran upstairs to try and save me, um, putting herself in the most amount of risk and danger, um, screaming. All I remember, because I was so drugged I couldn't move. And um, she was, I just hear her screaming at them. Now, they did leave. And knowing that that one person came to stick up for me, made, not made it okay, because it wasn't okay, but made it, it didn't affect me as badly as it could have affected me. That changed the way I viewed that situation. Um, and that's one person, you know? So don't ever think that you, one person, can't make a difference in somebody else's life. And you don't always see the difference. You wouldn't know. If someone said something nice to me, if I was having a really bad day and I was terrified to go home, if someone had said something nice, if someone had helped me with the buggy up the stairs, if someone, something really that you would just take as normal everyday things would make my life, that would make me smile in those days. That would be like, that's a kind person. To the point, I want, let me tell you one story. I've told you loads of stories, that's a lie. Let me tell you one story. Um, at the end, so after the whole six years, it was uh, horrendous. There was a knife incident. The police had to come. It was awful. But I, I, once I got, he left, um, I got an eviction letter through my door, which was normal. We, we lived everywhere. He always didn't pay the rent. We got evicted. We had to move, blah, blah, blah. Um, I got an eviction letter through my door. I, we'd only been living in Birmingham a couple of months. So it's a big city. I, wasn't, I didn't know anyone. Um, my daughter was only two. And... I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to tell anyone because I would look weak if I went home and to St. Albans and said, you know, I've, this has been my life. I didn't tell anyone because that would make me weak. I thought that would make me weak. That was my mindset. Um, and I got an envelope through my door with all my rent money in from anonymous Christians in my neighborhood. And that, I st that just changed. Because like, I was like, how do they know? How do they know I need my rent? How do they know where I live? How do they know who I am? And that, well, I went hunting. I went like on a hunt for local Christians, asking people, who are the local Christians? <laughs> like, I was really like, who are these people and how do they know my life? Um, I don't know what the point of that bit was. I just, I felt... Um, and that, all they did, they didn't really know anything about my life. They used to collect money every week in this group and then do prayer walks around the community and just get a feel where they should put the envelope. And that's where they put... <laughs> no, I know, right? And that's where they put the envelope. Um, and that like, kind of saved my life a bit at that point because it meant I could stay in my house. I didn't have to move and I could try and sort my head out of what was going to happen next. And, and it actually put me in a really determined note and it made me see that there were nice people. Because all my friends had the same life as me. I wasn't different to my friends. They all were the same as me. 
Um, and it made me see that there were really nice people in the world, that I wrote to the local paper to tell them that there was nice people in the world. And they publicized it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just like random. But that's it. That is really my main, main point. Um, that, that you, one person, can really, really make a difference. And people, you can't listen always um, to negative. There's so many famous people that haven't listened to negative and then done well. I don't know why I picked Clint Eastwood. I don't know why. But I've used him before, so I just picked him again. But he was told uh, by Universal Studios that he had no future as an actor, that he would never make it as an actor. He had no future. Do you know why? Because he had chipped teeth, uh, a too prominent Adam's apple, and he talked too slow. No way he's going to make it. Like, whether you like him or not is another matter. He still did well, like, and he still didn't listen and did what he was going to do. Um, but do you know what? It's not just enough to tell people that these labels aren't real. We have to tell them what is real, and we have to tell them what labels God puts on us, you know? Like, how does he see us? Um... And there are so many. There are so, you could just work your way through. Like, there are so many. But just to tell them, like, you were chosen. You were made. He thought you up. And you are just so loved. You're not alone. You're not alone. Well, often, you just feel like no one understands. You're the only one. You are not alone. He knows whatever you're going through, you are not alone. You're not helpless. He will show you ways out. He will show you people. You're forgiven because quite often we all sin at the same time. Like even if you've been the victim, you're still sin. I still did lots of sinning. Sometimes I still do and then I have to forgive again. Uh, you are capable. You're valuable. Like you are called by his marvelous grace. You are called for something, not just to survive, not just to be out of whatever's negative, but you're called for a purpose and how are you going to know what that purpose is if you're living under negativity? How are you going to know? You have to rip those off and find out and just go for it. You have to set your eyes on him. And this is what we need to do for people. We need to say, right, remove these. Remove all these things that you have been told that you believe. They are wrong. Don't look to me. Look to him. Like, this is how he sees you. Um, and that you just loved you, as you are, are enough. You don't have to get off the drugs before he'll accept you. You don't have to um, get out of the relationship before you're allowed to walk into church. You don't have to, whatever it is, you are loved and you are enough as you are. He will then work with you to make you the best person that he wants you to be. That's it. And he's not going to come in and like... So I used to have this big wall all around me. In fact, when I first went to church, this one person come up to me. Everyone else was like, prim and proper, because I went to this kind of church. And then this one dude come up to me and he went, some people got walls, you've got a castle, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. We're doing nothing about it. You cannot talk to me again. But um, No, we do. He's my good friend now. But, um, like, he doesn't come in and bulldoze your walls down. That's terrifying for someone that's put walls up to protect themselves. It's terrifying. He doesn't do that. He'll come in and he'll chip away and he'll take a brick at a time until the light starts shining in. And 
that's where he wants to use us to help us to do that. Yeah, makes sense? Um, and you are, ne- yeah, you're never too, are oh, still, I mean, it was only recently when I was just having, I, I get, uh, I like my little groups where I have my real in-depth conversations, and I, I, we were at one of those recently, and it was only literally a couple of months ago where we were discussing, and we were describing ourselves, and blah, 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 and how we saw, and I still, it, just in passing, not in anything, I still described myself as damaged goods. It's how I described myself, still. And... And then I shocked myself that that just came out because I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to say that. Like, what is this? Um, but you, you still, it's an ongoing process and, and it's not a quick fix. But you are never too broken and you're never too damaged for God to come in and save you or for people to come and help you. Like, you, we do, we get scared to, to help certain people. We get scared to make connections with certain people. Um, and we just can't do that. We can't. We have to push that boundary. In Chesterfield, where I am now, there's lots of homeless people. Um, and everyone just walks past them. Oh, no, not everyone. People that help the homeless people don't. But lots of people just walk past them. Um, and one homeless person I now know, he doesn't want money. He doesn't want food. He wants you to sit with him and tell him what book you've been reading. Like, that's what he wants to do. But do you know what? Go to the charity shop and get the man a book. You know, you could do that every week and he could have a new book. If he doesn't, that's... That's not hard. That's not hard. We, we assume what we think people want, and that's not necessarily the case either. Some people often ask me, how when your life has been so hard, I love my life, can I just say? I love it. There's days I hate it, but generally speaking, I love my life, and I am so thankful that he has brought me out and that I have got an amazing support network and I just, I choose to be happy and I choose, you have a choice, and I choose to see the good in everything and the positive in everything now. It's a mindset thing, you have to change yourself and bit by bit that's what happens. But people always say, how, how do you do that? How do you live your life like that now when you've had so much sadness? Um, so I wanted to explain how I do live my life like, and I've got three illustrations. And I was like, I've never used three illustrations in my life. And then she said, it's like the God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Go with the three. It's fine. Um, and normally when people say, when I look back and I say, because I used to, I don't know, but I used to look back and say, why did you let me go through that? Why? Why? Well, how did you, why on earth would you let me have to have that pain for so long? You could have rescued me earlier. And I know that's not a great thing to say, but you say things like that. And you do, don't you? Um, and instead of going to passages that are like, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't. I went to, I went to so Malachi 3, verse 3. Uh, you know where it's, uh, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. That's the one that resonated with me. Um, and I want to share a piece that really still sticks in my head when I think about that. Because if it helped me, it might help someone else. That's my view on it. Um, and it was, this, this was written by, I don't know if any of you have heard it, it was written by a person who went to find out about how a silversmith does that, because that's what a silversmith does. It, it purif- refines and purifies silver, right? Um, so she went along to, to see how it's done. She was trying to make sense, I think it was for a dissertation or something, she was trying to make sense of that passage. 
So she went along and she watched him as he did this. And uh, the silversmith, he held, oh, bless, he held a, a piece of silver over the fire. So there was a big pit of fire, and he held this piece of silver in like tong things over the, over the fire, uh, and he let it heat up. And he was explaining that in refining the silver, you needed to hold it right in the middle of the fire, right in the middle where the flames were the hottest, to burn away all the impurities. And the, this, the woman, she was just thinking about it, and she was thinking about God holding us in such a hot spot, and and think, just reflecting and thinking, like, is he holding us while I'm in that hot spot, while I'm in that, the depths of that fire, when I feel that my life is falling apart? So she asked the silversmith, if that's true, does he have to actually sit there in front of the fire the whole time? And he answered her, yeah. Not only have I got to sit there holding the silver in the fire the whole time, I have to keep my eyes on it the whole time. I can't take my eyes off of it. Because if I leave it just a moment too long the flames, it will be destroyed. So I have to keep my eyes on it so I can take it out at exactly the right time. And so she was thinking again. And then she said to him, but how, how, how do you know when it's ready? Like, how do you know when it's not too late? How do you know it's not going to be destroyed? That's like, if it's just a moment too long, it will be destroyed. You've got to be on the dot there. Like, how, how do you know? And he looked at that with the easiest answer, and he just smiled. He went, that part's easy, when I can see my image in it. And that's when God knows, like, he's, he tries to take away. He lets us. He doesn't, he doesn't control us. We live our lives. And he, will, he won't, we always say, why do you let bad things happen to us? Well, maybe you don't. I've said that. Lots of people said that. And he doesn't make the bad things happen but sometimes he won't stop them until we've learned what we need to learn or until bits of us have been chipped away until it's the right moment that he can take us out and and mold us so he can see his image in us and that's what he wants that's what we want we want to be able to shine and people to look at us and be like wow that person loves jesus i see jesus in that person oh how i want that i want that that's the one that helps me when I'm going through that. Um, I don't know if that will help any of you or not, but I really felt I wanted to say that. Uh, another way, I, where are these cards? I, I, I stole these cards from Tim's house. Um, I kind of described my life as a pack of cards. I think all of us do. Now, how we should have life, so we love God first, right, the king. Then we should love others and our neighbours and we should and our family maybe you, you, like you have your order work food <laughs> uh, I don't know you have your order of life and usually fun and you you are usually the one right at the bottom because you do everything else first um, and you know what sometimes in life it's not that easy is it and things just get completely muddled and you're jumbled and you might have a day where you're just like oh my gosh but I have got a dinner party on Friday and you spend the whole week just panicking about your food and and that becomes your priority and God gets dropped down into the pile a bit more and so I kind of try and remember my cards if I feel I'm focusing on something too much and that I try and reshuffle them to put my priority and make sure that God and people are at the top and that I'm not at the bottom <laughs> 
Like, I come before my food, surely. Sometimes not. But I should come before my food. Um, and, yeah, so that's how I kind of live my life. And then, a last one. I don't know how long I've been talking for. A last one um, is, is prayer. It's the power of words. If that's what we're talking about, labels and the power of words, you pray, you speak your words. And you listen, because it's a conversation. Um, and quite often, I used to get up, I used to go into my life, I used to have stressful time, and then I'd shout at God for not being there with me in my day. Again, I'm not being very good, because you shouldn't really shout at him, but at least I'm talking to him, right? And then uh, I was like, I used to get really mad. How have you let that happen? I tried really hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, re- why did this happen? Like, silly little things. It didn't have to be anything major. Um, and then this poem, which I have printed by my bed now, so remind me to do this every morning, because sometimes we forget to pray before the day starts. How can you start a day without praying? You've got to invite God into that day and thank him for a new day every single day. Like, how can you do that? So um, this prayer, this poem, puts my mindset for my day. It's called I Didn't Have Time to Pray. Have any of you heard it? I got up early one morning and rushed into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used my keys at the lock. Gently, God lovingly chided. Why, child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on grey and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish, I had to make time to pray. And that kind of just makes me... Every morning, my plan was to pray every morning once I'd read it, but I still forgot. I had to make myself. I had to blue tack it by my bed. To, so that was the first thing I saw when I woke up, to remember God. That's bad, isn't it? It's really bad. But it's a choice that I wanted to do that. And that is it. It's a choice how we live our lives. It's a choice how we see ourselves. It's a choice how we help others. And you need to make that choice. Um, yeah. And you can all just support each other. Honestly, I love the feeling when I come in this church. I really do. And I look around and I see so many smiley faces. And it's just like proper welcoming. And I just want to encourage you for that. But really speak to each other. Like, I can't give out confidentiality. (laughs) There were so many things that needed to be said yesterday. And so many people wanting to help. I just want you to, like, do it. Does that make sense? That's really bad, isn't it? Just to say, just do it. But, um, yeah, just use your words carefully and get rid of your labels and put God's labels on. That's it. That's the whole point of my big talk. Amen. (laughs) I'd like us to take a time... You know, a real good time to really pray and respond to what God has been saying.
to us over this this weekend. Um, you know, particularly for the ladies. And if you know that there have been labels that have spoke, been been put upon you that you just you know aren't true, but you just can't seem to liberate yourself from them. We'd love to pray with you this morning. That's mainly what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but just, we just want to see the Lord move. You know, do you believe the Lord is here this morning? The Lord is here. You know, God, God doesn't just say these things. God wants to minister them into our hearts. You know, when God comes, God doesn't just speak, God deals. And God's word accomplishes things. You know, by his word, the world was created. He didn't have to, I don't know how God created the world, but it was by his word. He spake and he said it. And that's all that God has got to do is speak something into your life and today you can be different. And so I'm going to invite the, the, uh, the band up to come and, uh, and to just lead us in a time of worship. We're just going to worship. I'd love you just to open your heart and to respond. If you know you just need to respond in your heart, that's great. Um, but if you know that you've got to get, God needs to deal with you and you need someone to pray with you or you want to share something, I really encourage you to come forward or come to the side uh, and either Robin or one of the elders or uh, one of the ministry team will come and, and pray with you. Um, so let's just, um, can I just pray? Is that all right? Yeah, just, while we're just waiting, let's, let's stand together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, made by God. And it says at the end of that verse that he has made us to perform good works. Lord, when you made us, you didn't make mistakes. When you made us, Lord, when you worked in us, Lord, you didn't get it right half the time. Lord, and we need to come into that place of seeing ourselves as you see us. Lord, I pray that as we worship now, Lord, as we open our hearts, Lord, as people respond to you, that you would, Holy Spirit, come and minister in the deep places of our hearts. Lord, not just to their minds, not, Lord, leaving this place telling ourselves we must believe this, we must believe this, but just knowing that it's true. Lord, when we know it, Lord, we know it in that deep place. We just know it's true. Lord, and that's what you want to come and minister to people this morning, is you want to take it from the head to the heart so that our whole being believes your truth. Our whole being believes that we are who you say we are. Lord, it doesn't matter what anybody else has said about us. It doesn't matter... Lord, what we say about ourselves, Lord, none of that is relevant. The only thing that matters is that we are who you say we are. Lord, and so much of where we go wrong in our lives is when we start building our lives on what other people have said or what we want to be, Lord, or what we'd like, Lord, or what we think we are. Lord, we need to come back this morning to this. I am who you say I am. Lord, would you come and move, Lord? Would you come and move in our hearts, Lord? Amen, Lord. Amen.
I just felt I had to get up and um, just say how many people have helped me in my travels, both with the Lord um, and practically. Um, very similar story to Robin, um, not in all cases, but um, in the abuse at home and things. Uh, and I just wanted to encourage people that sometimes you just do what the Lord is prompting you to do and you don't realise how much it touches somebody's life. Um, I've just got 
a little list, while I was listening, about a third of the church are named here, and that's not everybody <laughs> that helped me, and they don't even realize. Um, first from Margaret at the Children's Little Angels, she just said, come on Sunday, and I thought, oh, church. And I came, and it was just like coming to family on the Sunday. It wasn't like coming to church. Um, and from that, I made friends, um, particular, when my times were down, I'd chuck myself indoors. Debbie would just go and knock on my door, and I'd open the door and be like, oh, I'm in a state. But she'd be like, oh, how are you? I haven't seen you for a few weeks at church, and I hope all's okay. And afterwards, it would just leave me with a feeling that somebody was thinking about me, that I wasn't on my own. And um, when she invited me to come to a Bible study group here, um, and I didn't think I could, because I got two in a double buggy, and Jana was running um, creches with uh, Lydia. And they probably don't remember the particular time, but I just know the relief of coming and that they were looking after my children while I could actually do a course that was out of the home and learning more about God. Um, Esme, um, wherever she is, for holding my baby <laughs> when she was screaming and I couldn't get her to sleep, just so I could stay in the meeting and didn't have to take her out and miss whatever somebody was saying that Sunday. Um, sorry, here, Betty whose prayers, oh my goodness. She, she could have gone and spoken to the problem personally because she would pray and God would move. She's a powerful prayer warrior. Um, and for being there uh, with no judgment at all, she would look after my kids to go to counselling. Well, I thought that was the right option with my partner at the time, just everything. Um, I say Jim and Margaret because Jim befriended my son and take him on when there wasn't very many other children his age to help him out. Um, Mike and Jane, who aren't here, but did a lot of things practically and prayer-wise. Um, more recently, even um, Angela Johncock. Um, she just, at a time when I felt low and these labels keep coming on you, she just gave me this little feeling of worth, just a little pampering and a little remembering a few things. And, and many other people that, um, I mean... Nathan, who's Jana's brother, he probably won't remember coming around and putting up my boys' bed so they could sleep the first night after I moved. I didn't have anybody I could call on, I thought. Uh, and just, just these little things that you don't think are much are really make a big difference to somebody who's going through a lot of the time. So I just wanted to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing in the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I just think there's a, real, there's a real challenge to us, isn't there? To think that each of us has a responsibility for other people around us, you know? And we want to be a church that doesn't just say we care, but really does care. It's lovely to hear Sam's story, and that's what we want, isn't it? Years and years of, of I, I thought about it, it's a bit like a roll of honour. You know, and one day the Lord will get to, he we'll get to heaven and the Lord will call out a roll of honour. And our names will be on that list. And I want my name to be known, Tim. You, you know, you don't know what you did. You don't know the impact. But let me tell you all the things that you did that you never knew you did, but you're obedient to me and you just love people. And we'll see when we get to heaven the impact that we've had in our lives and the things we've never seen. You know, so let's be conscious. Let's go away and be conscious. And I just, I want to say one last thing before we come to some notices. And that is that this morning, Robin's been talking about the importance of labels and positive labels, negative labels, speaking things. And I want to particularly say just to the guys, you know, sometimes we can be very, you know, together as men and we like to feel that we're, you know, we've got it together. 
Um, and we don't want people to see into our weakness. You know, but sometimes it, words affect men and women equally. You know, and it, it just, but sometimes what blokes do is they kind of just try and block it out. I know I do, and just keep going. And I just want to say, if there's any men here that just really felt that God had been poking them this morning um, about things that have been said over them, and they didn't come forward and respond, or they didn't, um, you know, they just for whatever reason, I really want to encourage you, find someone else, find another fella, right, you know, or whoever, and just go and share that with someone and get prayed for. Because you 